0: I'm Laura Green. Welcome to the Sapphic Book Review Podcast, the show that brings you the best in Sapphic fiction. Join me as I chat with authors, narrators, and friends who share my love for the genre. You will learn things you didn't know about your favorites and get some suggestions for your next read. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe. Welcome to the Sapphic Book Review Podcast. I have yet to visit Australia, but reading books by today's guest is the next best thing. Cheyenne Blue, welcome and thanks for being here. Thanks, Laura. I'm really happy to to be here. Thank you for interviewing me. No problem. On March 5th, you released Not For A Moment. What I think makes it extra special is the relationship both Sarah and Andy have with Noah, Sarah's young daughter. Tell us about this really sweet family drama.
1: Not For A Moment. It's about Sarah, who after an amiable divorce is now pretty much a single mother to Noah, who's her seven-year-old daughter. Sarah's ex is out of the country. But Sarah is surprised one evening by her ex's mother appearing on the doorstep. And Rosalind, the mother, is is not a particularly nice person. She (laughs) basically signals her concern that Sarah's unable to give Noah the care and attention she needs now that Sarah's on her own. And Sarah's friend Andy, who's around that evening, just impulsively steps in and claims to be Sarah's partner. And everything basically spirals from there. But the thing is, Andy is staunchly child free. She's one of those people, she's just not comfortable around kids. She doesn't know how to talk with them, act with them. She doesn't know what they want. She doesn't know what they need. She's just awkward. And she doesn't want children in her life and has actively avoided dating anyone with kids. She's got reasons for this, of course. But in the meantime, she's stuck pretending to be Sarah's live in partner. And Noah, Noah the kid, is a typical seven year old. She's sweet sassy but she's also naughty stubborn disobedient and while andy's initially incredibly uncomfortable around noah noah's straightforward honesty eventually worms her way into andy's heart takes a while though of course and it's not all (laughs) smooth sailing so while andy and sarah are also exploring their growing feelings for each other andy's also navigating her relationship with this strange little person noah andy's got the bigger character journey of the two But Sarah is a mama bear protectiveness, and she's worried Noah's going to get her heart broken again when another person she loves leaves her. And just saying, I think that Not For A Moment has one of the best declarations of love I've ever written, and I'm not saying more than that.
0: (laughs) It's very sweet. Rosalind. oh yeah, I said some very bad words about that. That woman drove me bananas.
1: Yeah. Well, Rosalind actually has her own, a little bit of a point of view in the book, which was uh, my editor's suggestion. And I think it was a good one. It sort of rounded her out a bit as a character, but she's still, she's not pleasant. (laughs) No, she really isn't.
0: (laughs) Last year's For the Long Run was the first book of yours that I've read. And I still laugh thinking about the way Shan got hurt. For anyone who hasn't read it yet, tell them why they should.
1: (laughs) Oh, that was really fun to write. And when Shan met Lizzie, the other main character, it that meeting was certainly an unusual meet-cute, so uh, it fits those reading category cap challenges. But basically, Shan's an elite athlete. She arrives late for an important race and has to start behind the slow fun runners and charity runners. And in trying to get past them, she injures herself, tripping over Lizzie, who's shuffling along for charity, dressed in a koala suit. <laughs> uh, now, you might like this book, obviously, if you like sports romance. The book's as much about Lizzie's running journey as a beginner as it is about Sean's Olympic aspirations. But also, if you like opposites attract and a roommate romance, Lizzie feeling guilty for the injury invites Sean to recover in her home. You you might like this book. If you love a grand gesture, and I do, I absolutely adore grand gestures, where one character does something big, something huge, um, generally towards the end of the book, then For the Long Run has a very emotional grand gesture at the end. And, of course, it's set in Australia. I'll add though that don't be put off this book if you're not a runner because I've had quite a few reviews that start something along the lines of I hate running, but I love this book, and that's that's a nice compliment.
0: <laughs> have you ever dressed as a koala for a uh, charity run
1: <laughs> no i haven't I have hard enough time just getting to the end of a fun run anyway <laughs> without the added complication of a koala
0: suit. <laughs> If you had to step into the life of one of your characters, which would you choose and why?
1: Oh, I keep changing my answer on this one, but I'm going to go with Gabriella Mendaro from my tennis romance code of conduct. Gabriella is a top level uh, tennis umpire and she falls for Viva, a professional tennis player battling injury. That's a forbidden romance. And in real life, it would be a forbidden romance. That's in the umpire's code of conduct. Anyway, Gabriella's got a great life. And at the end of the book, she's traveling with the tennis tour, but she's with Viva and they live in a small town in rural Queensland in a close-knit community. So she really has the best of any everything by the end of the book. And that would sort of suit me down to the ground, I think. I love tennis and small town living in a balance of travel and home.
0: Yeah, very nice. If I had yet to read any of your books, which two would you suggest I start with that will give me the ultimate Cheyenne Blue experience?
1: I didn't know there was an ultimate che- Cheyenne <laughs> blue experience. <laughs> well, the of- well, there's a few things that I love to write that tend to come into most of my books. I love kind characters and those who'll go the extra mile for someone they care about, good, decent people who want the world to be just a better place. I you know I'm a bit of a Pollyanna like that, I guess. <laughs> I love found family and close communities, not not soppy, not soppy stuff, but in a light teasing, lighthearted way that overlies are like a deeper caring. And Aussies are rather known for irreverence and good-natured insults. So that's fun to write. So I'm going to go with um, A Heart This Big, which is about Nina, who runs a community farm for kids in her urban area. And Nina falls for the uptight lawyer who defends her legal case when a child is accidentally hurt on the farm. Um, A Heart This Big has a warm and close family. It's got Nina and her tweenie daughter. It's got a community on the farm of caring people, a legal case, and an uptight lawyer who doesn't want the disturbances the farm brings. Now, there's lots of animals too, and I don't think there's anything that isn't made better by animals. Now, the second book, maybe just the current one, not for a moment. It's quite emotional, but the relationships between Sarah and her daughter Noah and Sarah and Andy And of course, Andy and Noah are what builds the book, the story, and gives
0: us the happiest of endings. So I think I'll go with those two. Very nice. Who's your favorite supporting character from one of your books?
1: (laughs) Easy, easy, easy question. Coral from the Number 94 Project. Coral's an older woman. She's in her 60s. And she's the best friend of one of the main characters, Marta. Now, the Number 94 project focuses around a streak in in Melbourne, a tight-knit queer community of friends who are all incredibly supportive of each other. See, there's my theme, families and community (laughs) again. And Coral is totally outrageous. She's got no filter. She's got no tact. She's got the biggest heart, and Marta is her ride or die. And Coral is very much the comic relief in the
0: book, and she was just such fun to write. I love that. I love those supporting characters because they can say whatever they want.
1: Yeah, me too. And they don't have to be working towards a, you know, like a a longer long-term goal in the book. They can just exist in the book and be whatever you want them to be. They're great.
0: You've lived in Switzerland, Ireland, the US and Australia, where you reside now. What are the best things about each of those places?
1: Well, Australia, where I live, it's the scenery and it's the space. And I live in a smallish regional town. And even though I'm in town, I've got cows at the bottom of the garden. And that cliche Australian thing that everyone thinks actually happens and actually seldom does happen happens here in that I've had kangaroos hopping down my street and looking in you know basically eating my flowers and peering in the mailbox I also loved that in Australia it's very easy to have random conversations with strangers you know in the shops on the street in the bush and I just love that and I've had great writing inspiration from some of those very, very random conversations. <laughs> I took medical advice from a farmer I met by the side of the road the other week. <laughs> <laughs> I did Google it, made sure he wasn't totally bullshitting okay, well, me. <laughs> now, America, the, the scenery again. I lived, I lived in Colorado for the most part and also Arizona, and the scenery there, oh, everyone here probably knows, is absolutely spectacular. Also Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Trader Joe's. <laughs> There's a bar in Arizona that's next door to a tortilla factory and they give the best free chips and salsa with your Coronas and I just love that and I miss that quite a bit. It's called Los Los Hermanos or Dos Hermanos, one or the other, and it's in Superior, Arizona if anyone's over there. Switzerland, the scenery, I'm a stuck record, aren't I? I used to live near the border of Liechtenstein, and hence Liechtenstein's one of those tiny principalities. It's actually a country but sort of isn't. And hence, that was also near the border of Austria. And that was my running days. And I could run through three countries in one hour. It was pretty cool. (laughs) Ireland. Here we go. It's the people in Ireland. They're some of the funniest in the world. Um, I also love traditional Irish music, all that diddly, diddly, jiggy, jiggy stuff. (laughs) And those late night pub sessions are the best. Also Guinness.
0: Very nice. Man, I got nothing. I've literally just lived in the U.S. my entire life. I'm so boring. (laughs)
1: no not necessarily the u.s is is like a world in itself there's so much variety in it
0: some is good some not so much <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and there were
0: a couple of things yeah. mm. cooking's one of your favorite things when i come for a visit i'll call first don't worry what australian goodies are you fix me for dinner
1: okay well um assuming that you are adventurous and eat anything what i'm going to do is where i live in particular there's a lot of fresh food and local suppliers so what I'd do is I'd get fresh-caught fish and prawns from a, a fishery that's 30 minutes away. If I was feeling rich, and I'd have to feel pretty rich, to be honest, I'd include Morton Bay bugs. And they're a crustacean. They look like giant woodlice, but they taste a bit like crayfish or lobster, and they're totally delicious as long as you can get past the hole looking like something that's crawled out from under a log. Now, my local greengrocer sells produce grown in the local high school in my town So you'll get whatever veggies are in season or you might get a big ass salad from stuff out of my garden and then homemade cake. However, I really love having people over for brekkie. So if it was breakfast time, I would include toast and Vegemite just to see you grimace and set it to one side. (laughs) Vegemite, for those who don't know, it's this breakfast, well, it's this spread, it's yeast extract. And it looks like road tar, and just tastes like salt. And unless you were raised on it, you are absolutely guaranteed to loathe it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I'll have the veggie might. Maybe I won't come for breakfast. I'll just be there for you.
1: <laughs> you can do that. We'll make it dinner.
0: If you could take a road trip with four other sapphic authors, who would you choose and why?
1: Well, in June, in what, a couple of months, I'm off to Gold Coast Pride, which is about four hours south of me here in, in Queensland and I've got we're having a stall there's me and three other local sapphic authors um sr silcox liz rain and nean cohen and we are all looking forward to a fun day together as much as we are to meeting readers and selling books and giving away swag and just having a good time at pride so I'll pick those three and then I'll add kj who's also an aussie author as I'm sure everyone knows and she's down in victoria but I think the five of us would have an absolutely roaring time. You know, we might never come back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Nina and I talked quite a bit, and she told me about your little adventure you were going to have and how excited she is to have her own little stall.
1: Oh, yeah, well, that's good. See, see, we, we're, we're just going to – I wish we could actually make that road trip for real. We'd have a great time, I think. But, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to that.
0: Very nice. In addition to being an author, you're also an editor. What do you like about editing another author's work?
1: Well, I personally hate writing first drafts of my books. I loathe it, loathe it, loathe it. It's just torture from start to finish. What I absolutely love is the self-editing of my own stories, and that's when it goes from being an absolute hideous mess to something cohesive and hopefully decent. And I like doing that for other people too. Though I have to say when I get their manuscripts, they're they're in a lot better shape than my own at that same stage. Self-editing is everything. So I like looking at the story as a whole and seeing what needs bringing out more, what needs cutting back, you know, do the character arcs work. Sometimes it's just moving sentences and and stuff. Sometimes it's just the whole character arc needs that little bit of extra oomph and I really like doing that for the people I edit for. And I don't edit for many. I'm just, just a few regulars. And it's a lot easier to edit for other people. You're, you're too close to your own work to, to see it. And that's what I enjoy.
0: You're a big tennis fan. Growing up, I was obsessed with Chris Everett. Looking back now, I'm pretty sure she was one of my first girl crushes. Which tennis players have you crushed on?
1: First, I'm with Chris Everett and the Martina Navratilova rivalry. You must have been a total Everett girl. <laughs>
0: I was a total Chris Evert girl.
1: No, she was good, Chrissy, wasn't she? She was, she was so she was my mum's favourite tennis player. Just, just loved the the grace of her. My mum. I was more into Martina. <laughs> my number one tennis player crush, forever and always. This will never, never, never change. Is Amelie Moresmo of France? She was active in the mid 2000s She won Wimbledon and, and the Aussie Open. I just love her athleticism and her shot making. And she's the tomboy type that I totally go for. So with that in mind, I also crushed on Francesca Schiavoni of Italy and San Stoza of Australia. And of course Martina the goddess Nevratilova. <laughs> Current players, Caroline Garcia of France. Woo, just Google her. <laughs> and and a great player too.
0: So there you go, and you just look at those players and there's my type. <laughs> okay, I'll have to look up look up that French. <laughs> what are your three favorite sapphic books? Three,
1: 300, 30. Okay. Three.
0: Okay. I'm sure a lot of people
1: say this one. It's the, an absolute classic, but it's one I resisted reading for a long, 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 long time. And that's Jay's Backwards to Oregon. And while I love Jay's stuff, I mean, who doesn't? Historical books just aren't my favorite thing, typically, but I finally read it and I was totally and utterly hooked. And I was wide-eyed in dread waiting for, you know, Luke to be revealed as a woman and, and her, her wife had no idea and the tension and the detail and, and all the details. The details don't overwhelm the story. They just give it rich, richness and texture. And that's just an amazing story. And, and that, from being something I actually avoided reading, it just went to one of my favourite books ever. And then second one, Harper Bliss's A Breathless Place. Now, full disclosure here, I edited that book. So, you know, I'm fairly close to it. Now, A Breathless Place, it tackles a hugely difficult theme. The main character has determined to commit suicide on their next birthday. And the emotion and the drama is off the charts on those. And and those are the two things that Harper does so very, very well. Um, I've reread that book since editing it. And the story totally puts the reader through the ringer, but it's, it's brilliant and it's one of the best, in my opinion. It's one of my favourite Harper Bliss books. Third one, The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. Um, I love space opera. Battlestar Galactica, the rebooted version, still one of my favourite shows ever. And uh, Long Way is sort of a similar vein. It's almost episodic. It's, you know, it takes that whole TV series and each chapter is almost a different story. But it's strong on found family and kind people doing good things and that's what I love. There's not so many of the space battles between evil aliens. Sapphic content is low. It's not a romance, but it's still totally one of my favourite books and that it's the first in the series of four and I totally and unreservedly recommend all of them and pretty much anything Becky Chambers has ever written. I got Nene Cohen onto those two, and she I think she and
0: I are going to squeeze together about that series when we get together in June. Cheyenne, <laughs> thanks so much for taking the time to chat. It was wonderful meeting you, and I wish you all the best. Thank you very much, Laura. Absolute pleasure chatting. You take care now. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening, and thanks again to Cheyenne Blue for joining me today. To learn more about Cheyenne and find links to purchase her books, visit CheyenneBlue.com. To support this podcast, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash or join my Patreon at patreon.com slash sapphicbookreviewpod where you can hear your favorite authors play Would You Rather. Here's a sample of this week's with Cheyenne Blue. Thanks so much for listening and until next time, happy reading. Would you rather live next door to Nina and Lee from A Heart This Big or Shan and Lizzie from For the Long Run?
1: Oh, totally Nina and Lee. Because they live live on a community farm. They have all those animals. They have goats and they have chooks. We'll think of the fresh eggs and and they have ponies. Oh, totally Nina and (laughs) Luke. Would you rather have a pet koala or a pet kangaroo? Well, possibly a pet kangaroo because koalas, they're cute and they're cuddly. But they have really big claws. They also have fleas. And they don't do much. Like, they sleep for something like 22 hours of the day. So as far as an entertaining pet, a koala is absolutely not it. So I'll go for a kangaroo because they can be really quite characterful. And, um, you know, they're, they're wild animals, obviously. But if you've ever seen them in sort of those situations where you know, like a national park campground or whatever where people feed them and that. They're, they're really quite entertaining and they can be very interesting to watch, especially when the little joeys are crawling out of the pouches and hopping around and the, when the bigger ones are boxing together. So kangaroo, final answer. <laughs>